BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Can you believe it? It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything. It is the Week 9 College Football Reactions and Recap Show. It is Sunday, October 30th. And I, of course, am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Hopefully everybody had a wonderful college football Saturday. We've only got so many of these in a year. And while it wasn't the most uh, insane, it wasn't the most exciting, there were still a lot of fun, fun football games that went on on Sunday. So hopefully everybody had a good time while that was happening. So uh, we've got a lot to dive into. Before we begin, let me go ahead and remind everybody, one, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. We broke 7,500. That was the goal and, uh, and we got there before season's end. So, first of all, thank you to everybody that is a part of this. I certainly, certainly appreciate that. Uh, but we are not stopping at 7,500. We want to keep going. That next goal, I guess, will be 10,000. But let, let's make it simple. Let's get to 8, and then let's get to 9, and then we'll get to 10. We'll worry about everything else later. If you have not already subscribed, do that. Go ahead and like the video if you would so kindly. And along with that, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. The, the podcast helps, too. If you can't be here live... I understand. It's all good. Uh, That's the fun thing about the internet is everything lives forever. You don't have to be on time for anything. So go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed there. Apple, Podcast, uh, Spotify, whatever it is. Make sure that you're subscribed. Leave a nice five-star review. The show is brought to you each and every time out by BetUS. It is America's premier online sportsbook and really America's favorite online sportsbook since 1994. They've been doing this a very, very long time. Go and get signed up for all of your sports gambling needs. Everything that you want to bet on, you can bet on at BetUS. BetUS BetUS.com. It is where the game begins. I am the host of the BetUS College Football Show. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, you can, of course, join in the conversation over there. Make sure that you are subscribed. We hit 10,000 last week, and we continue to grow over there. Certainly appreciate everybody that's a part of that show as well. Uh, So make sure that you go and check it out. You can go see what all the picks did last week. Had another winning week on the show. Definitely good things. Definitely good things. All right. Let's dive into this. Let's talk about what we need to talk about. First off, seven AP Top 25 teams went down. It was a sleepy Saturday. It was a lot of AP Top 25 favorites. There were some, you know, a couple of ranked matchups, etc. We had two top 10 teams go down. One to a ranked team on the road. The other 
to an unranked team on the road. Of course, I'm talking about Oklahoma State getting absolutely blasted. We're going to talk about that game. And Wake Forest got demolished, absolutely demolished uh, at Louisville. So two AP top 10 teams that lost by, you know, over three touchdowns each. I mean, just absurd. Would not have expected that. Uh, as far as the news goes, um, looks like Auburn is going to hire John Cohen, the Mississippi State athletic director. I'll probably have more about that on Monday's show. But yeah, this is interesting because that is not one of the names that had been, uh, you know, thrown around really with any of the circles. I don't really know what his connection to Auburn is. He was the head baseball coach at Mississippi State for a very long time. He has been the athletic director at Mississippi State for the past seven years. State has done good things. I just would not have assumed that Auburn would have gone after him. So I'm going to try and tie together a few loose uh, loose strings and, and see exactly how that connection works. But regardless, we're there now. So looks like that's going to be the spot. Let's go ahead and start diving into the games. I know what you guys are here for. Uh, everybody that's watching, thank you. Go ahead and like the video and uh, make sure and jump in the chat. If you have any questions, uh, I will certainly try and answer them. And if you have any comments or any additional knowledge that you would like to add to the conversation, I would appreciate it. So go ahead and knock that out. Now, the first game on the board here is Georgia 42, Florida 20. Let's go on and bring up the stats here. And Georgia, 77 plays to Florida's 71. This game probably should not have been this close, really. Uh, Georgia went up 28-3 to at one point. Florida came back due to some turnovers, etc. Georgia had three turnovers on the day. Florida had zero. But you look at total yardage, I mean, they outgained Florida by eh, 180 yards, roundabout. Uh, they had 10 more first downs than Florida did. They had... Uh, one point, uh, no, sorry, uh, really, two more yards per play than Florida did. Uh, just really domination, absolute domination in this spot. Uh, doubled them on success rate, doubled them on standard down success rate, doubled them on passing down success rate. Had three tackles for loss and three sacks. Florida had none. This was a whipping. Um, looks like, really, this was, uh, you know, a game for Vince Dooley. It, it it reminded me very much of the Alabama-Arkansas game earlier in the year because in this spot, it appeared that Georgia got ahead early and got a little bored. And once Florida started making a comeback, they said, okay, all right, we, we need to go on and put our foot on your throat a little bit. And that's what they did. It got down to 28-20 to after being 28-3. to And from there, yeah, it, it got... It got hairy for a minute, and then it got unhairy. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. It got very ridiculous towards the end uh, because you could tell Georgia could score whenever they wanted to. Uh, if you look at the, the screen, uh, which those of you on YouTube certainly are, but green is good and purple is bad. This is at GameOnPaper.com. Florida had a lot of purple. They were not a very good team. 26% on third down success. Uh, that's not good. They were 7% explosive play rate. Georgia was 10%. Like, it's just, there was nothing that Florida did really well. But that's the that's the issue here for betters, right? You saw Georgia minus 23 as the, as the spread. They won by 22, but they could have named their score. That's the issue, is 
you've got Anthony Richardson on the other side. Of course, he's going to make some crazy plays at some point. You know, how much do you really take away from this? And I don't know that there's really anything that uh, you can take away from it. So, Georgia dominated, um, went right down the field twice towards the end of the second half just to uh, get a little bit more margin, and they could do whatever they wanted to. They are, they have set themselves up for a monster matchup in Athens this week. So we'll go on and move off of that one. But yeah, uh, phenomenal showing by the dogs. Uh, I'm sure played this one. I think Kirby Smart said that this one was for the Dooley family after losing, uh, you know, Coach Vince on Friday. So moving along, we'll move to the other team in that matchup. Tennessee, I mean, a whipping. 44-6. to Just destroyed Kentucky. I don't even know how to begin uh, to get into what is what happened there. Uh, it, it was over from the word go. It felt like the first drive down the field, uh, Jalen Hyatt, just two catches, 60 yards, averaged 30 yards a catch. One of them was a 55-yard touchdown, of course, because that's what he does. Let's go and pull up the stats on the screen so that you can see. But again, domination. 422 total yards to only 205. Uh, 19 first downs to 14. They had three yards per play more than Kentucky did. And it it was never even close. Uh, doubled them really on success rate. Uh, had 15% more standard down success. Uh, this was... Tennessee's good. Like, they, they, are, they are unbelievable. They make the most of every possession. And it is incredible to see how well this team is gelling. If you look at what they are actually doing, it is it is something to behold because they have turned into a really, really good football team. Uh, looking at some of the stats here, um, it appears we might have frozen a little bit. But yeah, Kentucky, you know, it was 7-6 to six at the end of the first quarter. Tennessee put up 20 points in the second quarter. They they scored, Tennessee scored on, da, 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 da. let's see, it was 27-6 to six at the half. They scored on four of their six first half possessions just domination just destroyed them uh double o'neill jumps in yep the vols are scary uh, here's the issue for next week and obviously we'll talk about the game more as the week goes on we're going to talk about it on the bet us show uh that georgia secondary is mm, suspect maybe a little bit and tennessee knows how to take advantage of other teams weaknesses this is going to be a lot of fun to watch as we go along, because, man, it was it was something else. Chris Rodriguez in this game, 15 carries for 64 yards. He did have one touchdown, and that was in the first quarter, uh, a long of 16 yards. And I just – what Tennessee is able to do on the ground amazes me. They ran the ball 40 times, and they only had to throw it. Uh, they had 19 receptions in this game. So it's not like they had to have a ton of catches. It's not like they were throwing the ball all over the place. This is not – a Mississippi State, you know, air raid offense. This is, we're still going to run the ball, and we're going to, you know, they had, what, uh, 27 passes. Uh, excuse me, 25 passes. 19 out of 25 passes, which is absurdly efficient. They don't have to pass the ball. This running game is actually really, really good. This offensive line is really good. So that's something to pay attention to. Uh, this game was never close. Never close, never a chance for Kentucky in this game. And, I mean, we really should have seen it coming. 
to be completely honest, uh, because it was it was a beating. Hendon Hooker looked awesome as usual. I, I I don't even know how to really explain it because he was incredible. The Hyatt kid, uh, he got to meet uh, Chad Ochocinco, Chad Johnson before the game. Uh, and his quote, I believe Andy Staples said, is, yeah, he's uh, he's taller than I thought he would be. <laughs> it's pretty crazy to think about. Uh, but yeah, Jalen Hyatt just continues to do the thing. And I, it, this was almost not even worth watching. That crowd in Neyland is something else when that team is good. They were on top of it from the word go. And I believe it was 50 years of night games at Neyland Stadium, and they had some big, huge light show beforehand, a bunch of fireworks, all this kind of stuff. It was really cool. Really cool. What Tennessee is doing this year is surprising and interesting. I I am looking forward to the game in Athens. I am looking forward to that. All right, moving along. All right, I guess the biggest game of the day Ohio State 44, Penn State 31. And the only reason that this was interesting, obviously the final score is incredibly different, but this was super tight in the fourth quarter. This game was 20-16 to 16 with less than 10 minutes left in the game. And Ohio State just went off. Uh, JT Tuimaloau was incredible. Um Zone 6 jumped in on Tennessee. He said, yeah, they're playing great. I want to see how they do it on the road. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Uh, we saw him do it against LSU, who has looked pretty good. Uh, Athens might be a different beast, but regardless. Uh, Ohio State, like C.J. Stroud had great numbers. Didn't really look right until the fourth quarter, right? And th- he seems to do this frequently. Um, Ohio State did have a defensive touchdown in the game. Obviously, that helps out tremendously. Penn State ran 80 more plays. They outgained Ohio State by 30 yards. They had more first downs. Uh, Ohio State did have more yards per play. They had more yards per rush attempt, more yards per pass, etc. Um, PPA per play was more than double, uh, almost triple what Penn State did. Um, Penn State's success rate was better. Their passing down success rate was better. Uh, the, the, the deal was JT Tuomaloau. Like, he was... Absolutely unbelievable. Let's uh, let's pull up his numbers on the day if we can. Um, he was just a complete wrecking ball. He had six total tackles, three of them solo, two sacks, three tackles for loss. He had uh, two interceptions, one of them that he returned for a touchdown. Uh, he had a forced fumble. I mean, he was everywhere, especially in that fourth quarter. He completely took over the ball game. And remember, this is the kid that committed late in the last cycle, heading into the 2021 season, he didn't really do anything last year. And obviously, it takes a little bit of time to develop and whatnot, but you hadn't really seen a whole lot of out of, or a whole lot out of him this year, right? He hadn't really put himself on that big national stage like that. But man, he had a matchup, and he exploited it. Uh, and, and it was multiple. Like, we, we talked about Penn State's offensive line woes and how good are they. Um... 82 Atlantic says you put the games from last week in the description. Ah, you know what? I will uh I will fix that here in a bit. I thought I fixed that last night, but regardless. This is interesting. Um how good is this Ohio State defense? If they're giving up these kind of numbers to Penn State, how good are they really? 
right? You've got some pieces that are very dominant, but how good can they be for the rest of the season? Like you look at Penn State's numbers, and let's see, running the ball. Oh, here, hold on. We'll pull it back up over here. So on this, uh, we've got da, 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 six yards per play, which is pretty good. You got three yards per rush attempt, eh, almost eight yards per pass. Um, Double O'Neill jumps in, Penn State ain't bad. Uh, agreed. But we did see Michigan just completely annihilate this team. And Ohio State didn't really do that. They, had, they annihilated them in the fourth quarter. Ryan Day's play calling was really weird in this one. Like, it, I, I'm not sure exactly what to make out of this. Yes, a win on the road is incredibly impressive. But, and you can't really compare game to game because the matchups are obviously different. But this one is just strange to look at because it, we've already seen Penn State be dominated. So, here we go. It's zone six compared to last year. So much better. They're good, not elite. Yes, agreed on that. My gosh, last year was a complete debacle defensively for Ohio State. Um, Double O'Neill, Michigan struggled for a long time with Michigan State yesterday. Yeah, that, see, that's the other part, and we're going to get to that one later on. But yeah, it, it's, it's weird. I don't know what to make of Penn State, and I think that's my biggest issue with the Ohio State situation. I'll tell you this. Road games? I, well, I, how about this? Home games. It seems like there is something to home field advantage, maybe more so this year than we've had in the past two, three years, really. Uh, we had gotten to a point where it was almost NFL-like, where home field advantage didn't necessarily make that much of a difference. But there are some games this year that have absolutely been affected by home field advantage. Uh, and I need to dive into the numbers and see about you know spreads and all that kind of stuff. But it it certainly plays a part. Certainly plays a part. The fact that Tennessee got to go play LSU at 11 a.m., that's a little different than going to Death Valley at night, right? Going to play Penn State in, you know, a big noon kickoff, maybe a little bit different than going to play Penn State at night for a whiteout. So, regardless, Ohio State looked fantastic in this spot. Um, but, yeah, just dominating again, doing what they do. At, at this point, you just have to, you got to keep winning. It's all about surviving until the end. Uh, Zone 6 said Penn State is a top 20 team. Uh, Look at all the teams, 8 through 40, razor thin. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you 100% because it feels like everybody can beat everybody except for maybe the top teams. And even then, Ohio State was on the ropes. If you don't have JT2 Malowal doing what he did yesterday, what ends up happening in that game? I know that when Ohio State uh, went down 20 to 16, or 21 to 16, whatever it was. When they went down, they came right back and scored very quickly. Travion Henderson took it to the house, right? When they, could Penn State have come right back down and scored? You know, obviously not because we saw it, but what do you do if you don't have that one guy that was dominating on defense? Uh, Double O'Neill said, no one in the Big Ten is beating Ohio State. I mean, I kind of said that last year. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I'm not going to say nobody is going to beat them. Uh, it certainly looks that way because they are ridiculous. Like, they are ridiculously talented, and when they put it together, they are unstoppable. But I have seen them not be unstoppable before, so I'm not going to go as far as to say that nobody's going to beat them. I'll, I'll say that. 
Um, they were they were in a weird situation yesterday for sure. Uh, moving along, let's move to the Big Twelve. We'll talk about another undefeated team here, and TCU forty one, West Virginia thirty one. Now Parker on the show had TCU by seven and a half, and I will admit that I put a pizza money bet on TCU to cover seven and a half as soon as it was announced that Tony Mathis was going to be out of this game. It was still a trap game. It was still a rough situation, right? Uh, looking at this, Kendra Miller, 12 carries, 120 yards, had one touchdown. It, he was, I think, a 51-yard touchdown. But still, 11 carries for 70 yards is pretty ridiculous, right? He had a good day. Max Duggan didn't look great, looked like he was hurt a little bit, and I had the game on mute, and I didn't see anything about injuries and whatnot. Uh, he'd 16 out of 28, which is, eh, okay. Uh, but the fact that it was for 341 yards is insane. Three touchdowns in an obvious trap situation. Uh, Morgantown is just a tough place to play. I mean, that's a long, long trip. Uh, in zone six, people got lucky with the cover. Yes, but here's the situation. That's what Sonny Dykes does. He takes shots. He, you know, he knew that he gotten them off sides on that one, so he took a deep shot. And when you got guys like that in your wide receiver core, it's awesome. Um, yeah, zone six said even though the game wasn't as close as the score. Uh, well, I, I don't know that. I don't know that the game was not as close as the score. There was some weird officiating mess going on in this one. It was it just, it felt like an off game basically the whole time. It was just weird. But, alas, uh, it is what it is, right? Uh, West Virginia ran 22 more plays than TCU. I mean, you're seeing it on the screen here. Uh, TCU had 64 more yards. West Virginia had eight more first downs in this game. But as far as yards per play, yeah, TCU almost nine yards per play. West Virginia about five and a half. Like, that, that's where we're at. Uh, TCU is just explosive when they want to be explosive. Success rate, West Virginia beat them. Standard down success rate, West Virginia beat them. Passing down success, TCU took advantage of that big time. And the TCU defense came up big. Uh, three tackles for loss, three sacks. West Virginia didn't do anything like that. Uh, bringing up the win probability here, it kind of went back and forth because this was a pretty tight ball game. But TCU now, you know, 8-0 on the season. They're hosting big noon kickoff next week against Texas Tech. That one, of course, is at home for them, so that's good. Uh, no more sleepy spots for them at this point. But, yeah, looking at the stats, C.J. Donaldson ran 19 times for 104 yards for West Virginia. Um, J.T. Daniels, 23 out of 39 passing, 275 yards, two touchdowns. Like, he did have the one pick. Like, this, they put up a fight. They they did not look anything like what they looked like when they played against Texas Tech the week before. Like, West Virginia is not a bad football team. I will tell you, I felt so bad for Neil Brown multiple times, right? Because it, it's obvious he wants, to, he wants to win. He wants to do good things at West Virginia. And it's not that this team is bad. It's that they are playing against really, really good teams in the Big 12. The Big 12 has upped the game. I mean, there are good teams all over that conference. The whole conference can beat each other. It's really, really strange to watch because you're not used to seeing a conference that is that deep. And yet, uh, here they are. I mean, just doing the thing. So, uh, pretty crazy, pretty crazy. But overall, a, uh, a good win for TCU to get out of there and, you know, not take the loss that, I mean, it certainly seemed like a spot where they could. They were only up by three with about, what, 40 seconds or a minute left, whatever it was, when they when they scored that touchdown. 
uh, it was it was tight, and that's what you expect from a sleepy morning game in Morgantown, especially late in the season after you've been through the gauntlet the TCU's been through. So, yeah, I uh, I mean, cheers to them, cheers to them for getting it done. Huge, huge day for a lot of those players, and uh, and it was impressive to say the least. So. Uh, moving along, we got uh, one more before we hit a break. Uh, Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Uh, right down the times here. Da, 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 da. All right, let's start the uh, let's start the clip over again. Kansas State forty eight, Oklahoma State zero. Yikes! Uh, is the only way that I can say this. I mean, it is. It was brutal. Let's look at the stats. As you see on the screen, green is good, and not green is not good. Right? <laughs> uh, Forty-eight to nothing, seventy-one plays to sixty-one. Oklahoma State had two turnovers in the ball game. Uh, Kansas State more than doubled them as far as yardage, five hundred one to two seventeen. Uh, yards per play more than doubled them, over seven yards per play to three point five. Yards per rushing attempt, six yards per rushing attempt for Kansas State. 1.8 for Oklahoma State. This was a beating. Like, just an absolute beating. Um, Oklahoma State did have four quarterback hurries in the game, so maybe that's something. But my gosh, I haven't seen a Mike Gundy team get beat this bad. Uh, maybe ever? I just, I, I've never seen it. This was shocking in all aspects of the word. Like, I, <laughs> how do you even quantify how bad this was. Uh, you look at this, look at the expected points over here. Um, Kansas State ended up, you know, plus 15.89 as far as PPA is concerned. And Oklahoma State, negative 35.29. I know that they had a bunch of dudes hurt. I understand. But this was, like, this is what you expect. You know, I've talked about TCU going into a trap spot. Oklahoma State in this spot certainly had been through the ringer, right? Had been through Texas, had been through TCU. They had been through, like, really good games, and eventually you go on the road and you just get whipped. And TCU didn't have it happen to them, but Oklahoma State did. This puts Kansas State in the driver's seat for that second spot in the Big 12 title game. This is massive. It was complete domination. I I don't even know how... I, I don't know how to, how to say it. I mean, it... Look, you see over here on the right side of the screen, the stop rate for Kansas State was 95%. That is defensive domination. Absolute defensive domination. 16% havoc plays created, uh, 19% on passing, 11% rushing. I, this was, I mean, seven tackles for loss here. I, I can't, I got nothing. I got nothing. Uh, you look at some of the stats. Uh, the So the drive chart, Kansas State took the first opening drive, went 77 yards for a touchdown. Oklahoma State turned the ball over on downs. Kansas State went two plays, 62 yards, touchdown. Now, Kansas State did punt on the next one. Oklahoma State fumbled, and Kansas State had to punt again. But after that, touchdown, interception, touchdown, punt, touchdown. Kansas State scored three straight touchdowns to end the half. It was 35 to nothing. And that was all she wrote. I mean, this was when when you finally run out of gas. The car is not going to go anywhere. And it looked like the Oklahoma State car did not go anywhere. 
Spencer Sanders, 13 out of 26 passing for 147 yards with one pick. Uh, Gunnar Gundy, um, two, two out of seven passing, 16 yards. He came in late. Uh, but turned out that the Gundy kid was actually their leading rusher, five carries for 27 yards. They ran the ball 30 times for 54 total yards. Kansas State absolutely whipped them. Uh, cheers to Will Howard, because I know a lot of people were talking about, oh, TCU got lucky, they had to play Kansas State's backup, da 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 Howard was 21 out of 37, 296 yards, four touchdowns, and didn't turn the ball over. I mean, this was this was a complete beating. Like, I, I can't even begin to describe how crazy this was. Because they, I mean, they really did. They owned them. It was a whipping from the word go. I haven't seen that with a Mike Gundy team in a very, very long time. This team always shows up, regardless of who's on the field. I know that they had like seven uh, defensive starters that maybe were not playing or were playing banged up at best. And even still, I, I don't know what to make of it going forward. I will, I will certainly tell you that. Uh, on the other side, we're going to hit on UCF and Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Syracuse, etc. But first, let's go. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back, and BetUS TV has you covered. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff, only on the BetUS TV College Football Channel. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit betustv.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. And now, back to the show. All right, now let me go on and tell you right quick about Valtamary Surf Company. It is a clothing apparel line. Fantastic. ValtamarySurfCo.com is where you check it out. They take college towns and put them together with this really cool surf company design, and the material on the shirts is awesome. I've got two of them. I absolutely love them. You can use the promo code Gary10 to get 10% off of your order. It's Gary10. Go and check it out. It's I'm telling you. Fantastic stuff. There is a link in the description for you to check it out. If there's not right now, I will go and fix that because I didn't realize that this was streaming to the wrong video. But either way, we'll get there. <laughs> so go and check it out. ValtamarySurfCo.com. Use the promo code Gary10, and you'll get 10% off. Um, along with that, uh, go and check out the Bet U.S. College Football Show. I'm going to tell you as many times as I can tell you. We are doing really fun things over there. It's a very entertaining show. Had a lot of fun breaking down games last week. And this is one of the games that we broke down last week. UCF 25, Cincinnati 21. Yes, that score is correct. It's a, it's a very weird score. But uh, this was a, a weird ball game. I will tell you that. John Reese Plumley went out with a concussion in the second quarter. 
Uh, Mike Keene had to finish the game. The offense never slowed down once he came in. Uh, the connection between Keene and O'Keefe is certainly still there. They looked very comfortable with each other. Uh, it is a luxury to have a backup quarterback that has started a full season. <laughs> I, will, I will say that. Um, I, I really thought that my UCF bet was dead on this. I, I initially bet UCF plus one last Sunday when the Lions came out. And then it moved to a pick It moved to Cincy minus one. Uh, excuse me, uh, Cincy plus one. And then it moved back around. And it ended, I believe, around a pick You look at the numbers here, and UCF really dominated this game, and it just felt like couldn't finish drives. Like, that was the weird thing about it. You look at the drive chart on this. Uh, field goal, field goal. And then they had two touchdowns. Uh, for That was Cincinnati, excuse me. Field goal. And then they get down. They fumbled twice. And I, that was at the Cincinnati 2 and the Cincinnati 16. Like, it, they, they really should have beaten them much worse. But they found, Cincinnati found a way to get the ball back. And it is what it is. Uh, you look at some of the stats here. Here, let me go and pull this back up. Uh, 82 plays to 64. <laughs> zone 6. So many fumbles in the red zone. Yeah, it irritated the absolute mess out of me. Because obviously, I mean, I had a bet on on UCF in this spot because I thought they would bounce back from an ugly showing at East Carolina last week. And Cincinnati has not looked right. And they didn't look right in this game even after knocking out the opposing team's starting quarterback. Like, There's something going on with the Cincinnati team. The defense is not as good as they were. Obviously, when you are a team that loses nine NFL draft picks, you are going to step back a little bit, especially if you are a G5 team, which is what Cincinnati technically is until next year. But Regardless, you look at this, the total yardage, 505 to 333. 30 first downs to only 18 for Cincy. 6.159 yards per play to only 5.2. Uh, 7.7 yards per pass, only 6.5. Uh, five yards per rush attempt, Cincy only 1.9. Like, Cincy's offensive line could do nothing in this spot. The success rate, way up there for UCF. Standard down success, pass down success, tackles for loss, everything. This UCF defense, by the way, that defensive line is serious. Their front seven is so good. So good. I don't. I still don't know how they got whipped so badly at ECU, uh, other than, you know, look ahead spot. ECU is actually pretty good, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the win probability went a little haywire because if you just look at the overall numbers, I mean, UCF should have won this many times over. And instead, they had to wait until... A, a last-minute drive, at pulling up that drive chart again. Yeah, scored a touchdown with 48 seconds left. Um, just, just crazy. I mean, just <laughs> it's so it's so nuts to think about uh, the fact that UCF had to have two touchdowns in the fourth quarter in order to win this game because they were the better team, like significantly better, and it just didn't pan out that way like <laughs> so weird to see this ball game um uh, but Mikey Keene on the day I, I need to uh I need to shout him out with his stats um 15 out of 21 passing 176 yards he let's see he ran the ball uh, just one time for nine yards it felt like he was scrambling quite a bit maybe I'm wrong um Harvey had 18 carries for 84 yards Bowser 14 for 58 and one touchdown I mean it's this was awesome like, this was a fun game, a, a fantastic atmosphere in the bounce house. Like, that is a good, fun.
fun fan base. I'm excited to see both of these teams enter into Big 12 competition because I think that the crowds are going to be awesome. Like, when you get a new team coming in, it's always a lot of fun. So that's that's what I'm looking most forward to. Um, these, these teams, uh, this is going to be fun looking at the AAC now. Uh, Tulane is 4-0 in the AAC, but you got UCF, Cincy, and Houston that are all 3-1. Like, we're moving into November. Like, we, we have still got no real... Like, we don't exactly know who's going to be there in the end in the AAC. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Cincy, of course, two losses. This is their first loss in the AAC in, what, two years? I believe it was 2020 uh, when they lost to... No. 2019 was the last time they lost to an AAC team. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Either way, it's been a long time. We'll say that. All right, moving right along. I need to uh, pick up the pace a little bit. And that won't be so hard going forward on this. Notre Dame 41, Syracuse 24. And, of course, when you get a... Pull up the stats here. There we go, zone six. uh, 19 wins in a row. Yeah, it was a long time for Cincinnati. Notre Dame had 74 plays to only 61 for Syracuse. They only had one turnover. Syracuse had two. And this game, you knew what it was going to be like when Garrett Schrader threw a pick six on the first play of the game. Garrett Schrader did get knocked out, and Del Rio had to come in in the second half. Um, it, Notre Dame just dominated this ballgame. Uh, 80 more yards total. Uh, had 22 first downs to only 15. You know, they won yards per play. They won yards per rush. They won PPA per play significantly. Um, yeah, standard down success, passing down success. Like, it, Syracuse could not stop them from running the football. And we're going to pull up those stats uh, look, I mean, they, they had 246 yards rushing on 56 carries. Uh, the two running backs had 40 carries for over 200 yards. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Um, I, I don't even know what to say about this. Del Rio Wilson is the the quarterback. came in, looked pretty good, actually. 11 out of 22 passing, 190 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He was all right. Uh, Sean Tucker... You know, they they certainly fed him the ball more when they didn't do it against Clemson last week. 16 carries, 60 yards. They uh, they gave him four catches for 32 yards there. Syracuse, I don't think, is a bad team. But I do think that they were not ready for this matchup. I mean, it was a bit of a letdown spot. Notre Dame, I don't know what to think about Notre Dame. Maybe you guys can help me out with this. Notre Dame makes no sense. Some weeks... They're really good. Some weeks they're not. Drew Pine didn't have to be good in this game at all. He was a 9 out of 19 for 116 yards. When you run the ball like that, yeah. 82 Atlantic said Syracuse and Kansas were fool's gold. I don't know that they were fool's gold because we always knew exactly what they were. They're not overly talented, but they're they're not they're not a great football team, but they are good enough to beat anybody on a down day. Right, And Clemson had a down day last week. And it was coming off of, you know, four pretty big games in a row. Sleepy noon kickoff. Yeah, in this situation, Syracuse at home, sleepy noon kickoff. They thought they could compete with Clemson. So, of course, Notre Dame, who has gotten beat by Marshall and whoever. I had somebody uh, text me last night 
and say, hey, why is Notre Dame so much better on the road than they are at home? And that's a very interesting question. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but they seem to be doing much better when they go on the road as opposed to when they're playing at home. So, uh, moving along, we'll move into this one. Weird game last night. USC, 45, Arizona, 37. I was very irritated about this one. First off, let's talk about the referee situation in the Pac-12. At what point is it complete negligence to not do anything about this? At the end of the first half, USC is driving, and they have a chance to put another touchdown on the board. They get down inside the five-yard line, wherever it was, and you know what? Actually, that's a good question. Let's uh, let's pull up the stats here. But USC was driving. I'll pull it up on the screen for you. And let's see. They get down to, uh, okay, the 10-yard the line. They had a chance to do something in the ballgame and, and score another touchdown to go up, you know, even more. And the refs allowed the clock to run without ever spotting the ball. Like, they got a first down, and they just let the clock run out. So, USC was not able to spike the ball to get another... I mean, you could have kicked a field goal. You could Like, there was plenty of time for another opportunity, and they never stopped the clock. Like, Mike Bone, the AD, was livid about this. He was retweeting all sorts of stuff about Pac-12 refs, etc., like, it, it's now two straight games for USC where there have been beyond questionable calls. And I don't know what you do about it, right? Like, USC has got two more years of this. Like, this year and next year before they go to the Big Ten. And I don't think that it is... I don't think that they are trying to screw USC. I don't believe that that's what this is. I think they're just incredibly bad at their job. This is complete incompetence. Because it's not just happening in the USC games, although it appears to be happening on a much bigger scale in the USC games. But man, it is it is rough. It is really rough to watch in the Pac-12 to see what's going on. 82 Atlantic said, USC getting hosed on the road by the refs against Utah and Arizona will lead to more conspiracy theories that the Pac-12 is trying to ruin them. And yes, agreed, but... See, to me, the conspiracy theory of that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because USC, like, I feel like the Pac-12 would be trying to make as much money off of them as possible before they have to leave, right? Like, it doesn't, maybe I'm crazy for that, but it feels like take advantage of the situation that you got before you get there. The, the biggest matchup that you could possibly have in the Pac-12 title game would be USC against Oregon. That would be the biggest possible matchup, the most ratings, whatever, and the two most likely teams to make it to the playoff, I believe. And just, I, I don't, it's rough. Uh, 82 Atlantic says, Pac-12 can't afford decent refs due to their bad TV deal. Yeah, that's certainly a part of it. That is certainly a part of it because uh, we know that they don't have a feeder system. They don't have, they're, they're not set up as well as some of these other conferences um, because they don't, they don't do a lot of training. They don't do a lot of anything. And 
I don't know that you need a ton of training for this. Like, I think I, there's just something going on. Oh, it's rough. It's rough. Speaking of TV deals, uh, we'll talk on Monday about the Big 12's TV deal. Um, but that got finalized this morning, so cheers to them. Your move, Pac-12, I suppose. Uh, talking about USC, they had eight more plays than Arizona. Uh, Arizona did have a turnover in the game. Six hundred uh, 621 yards to 543. Arizona had more first downs. Yards per play was very close. Uh, yards per rush attempt was very close. Yards per pass was very close. USC had a shot in this game. Let's see if I wrote this down. Um, this told me everything that I need to know about how bad this USC defense is. Okay. With a chance to put the game away late. Fourth and 12. You're up by 16. All you have to do is get a stop on fourth and 12 with like less than a minute left or whatever it was. It, on fourth and 12, you give up 13 yards. I mean, I I got nothing for that. This is beyond ridiculous. It tells me everything I need to know about this team. Uh, we'll say this. The passing offense was not hurt without Jordan Addison at all. Like, there was there was nothing that, that hurt them in this. So, uh, cheers to it. Cheers to a big win for USC. They move right along. Arizona stayed in this ballgame. That Arizona offense is legit. When they go up against a bad defense, they can take advantage of it. And cheers to them. Cheers to them for doing it. Moving along, we are going to hit on Louisville. Louisville, 48. Wake Forest, 21. I uh, just don't even know uh, how to begin on this. Wake Forest had uh, just... Just uh, Sam Hartman threw three interceptions. Uh, Griffiths threw one interception. Uh, then they had four fumbles. They uh, they lost. They had five fumbles. They lost four of them. This is uh, Double and Ill said. Okay, so who's in? Uh, I, we'll we'll talk about that here in a minute. We'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, <laughs> zone six. Yeah, they said Miami hold my beer. Eight turnovers in one quarter. Yeah, this was beyond absurd. Uh, let me go on and pull up the. The drive chart here. Uh, Wake Forest. They get to the third quarter. Interception. Fumble. Fumble. Interception. Fumble. That is five straight drives. Then they had to punt. They went three and out. And then interception. Turnover on downs. Turnover on downs. And they finally scored a late touchdown thanks to, uh, you know, another interception that was returned but then fumbled and given back to Wake Forest. Like, it's... uh, 82 Atlantic said Jeff Rom's going to have to wait one more season to get the Louisville job. Does this save Satterfield's job? Is that what this does? Like, do we do we take this as Louisville is like a really good team now because Wake Forest turned the ball over eight times against them? Like, this looked like Sam Hartman up against Wisconsin in that bowl game, like after the COVID season. Like, this this ain't the same Sam Hartman. I don't know what happened here, but it was beyond brutal. Like, it was rough. Uh, Hartman was 20 out of 35, 271 yards, one touchdown, three picks. Um, 12 rushing attempts for negative 24 yards, a lot of those sacks, etc. cetera. Uh, double and nil. Wake Forest lost because they turned the ball over too many times. Well, yeah. <laughs> this was a beating, and it I don't know how much of it was Louisville and how much of it was Wake Forest. And that's what's so concerning here is, I don't know. Uh, it was the first Louisville win against a top 10 team since 2016. So what do you make of this? I mean, Malik Cunningham was 
good, not great. Uh, 15 out of 23 passing, 164 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Uh, he had nine rushes for 38 yards. Like, okay. I, I just, I don't know what to do with this ball game. I don't think that this saves Satterfield's job. I just, I, this was a weird spot. Um, this game was tight up until play number 106. And then, you know, double and said, not the same as the Oklahoma State loss. No, 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 no. Kansas State dominated that game. Wake Forest gave this one away. It was just completely different. Yeah, 35 points in the third quarter. Well, and that's because of turnovers, right? Just uh, You saw the drive chart. As soon as you got out of the half, you start with three plays, 13 yards, and then interception, and then fumble, and then fumble, and then interception, and then fumble. And this is all in the third quarter. And what do they do with those uh, with those turnovers? So the first one, they turn the ball over and downs, but then touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Like, and then you had pick six returns and fumble, all all of that, all in that third quarter. the The number of drives in the third quarter compared to the fourth quarter, completely different. Like you can see this, Wake Forest had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven possessions in the third quarter. They had three in the fourth. Louisville. Had one, two, three, four, five possessions in the third quarter. They had two in the fourth. Like turnovers, absolute turnovers. This was a beating of epic proportions, and it really wasn't that bad. Because when you look at the the stats, like it's it's not crazy. Four hundred ten total yards to four hundred two. Uh, Wake had way more passing yards. Uh, this was. Normal. Wake Forest, 29 first downs to only 19. Um, third downs, you know, 8 out of 16 for Wake Forest. Louisville was 4 out of 12. Like, you look at the stat sheet, and it doesn't look that crazy. Wake Forest ran 90 plays to only 65 for Louisville. But again, when you turn the ball over like that, yeah, the score is going to get lopsided. It's much like the Duke and Miami game. It's just nuts to watch. Uh, let's move on to, we won't spend long on this one. Missouri. 23, and South Carolina, 10. Okay, so I was wrong on this, and that's putting it lightly. Um, I South Carolina has problems. Uh, we'll say that. We're going to pull up the, uh, the expected points and the win probability and all that good stuff. South Carolina's offense, Spencer Rattler is not good at all. Uh, and yes, I know that we've talked about this for forever and ever, but like he had actually started to show a little bit of signs of improvement. But so many missed passes that I watched in this game, overthrows, threw the ball behind receivers, threw it where there was nobody multiple times. I mean, it was just nuts. And and then, of course, if there's no threat of a passing game at all, of course Missouri's going to be able to stop the run because they've got a pretty good run defense. Like, they absolutely have a good run defense. And on top of that, look, I, I got to give props on this. Uh, let me pull up the stats here. Brady Cook was awesome. 17 out of 26, 224 yards. Like, he was rolling in the first half. Um, Missouri had two uh, rushing touchdowns. Like, one from Cody Schrader, one from Brady Cook. Brady Cook, 11 carries for 53 yards in this spot. This was, it looked like South Carolina was not ready to play. It was really weird to look at. Uh South Carolina had 203 total yards of offense. 171 of that came passing the ball. 
And I, I don't even know where to begin with this. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd only got seven touches for 30 yards. Uh, Christian Bill Smith, three carries for three yards. Like this, yeah, you're not going to be able to do much with that. 23 carries for 32 yards is not going to cut it. But also, like, Rattler, his numbers don't look awful. 20 out of 30 for 171 with one pick. But, man, I'm telling you, it was way worse than that. It was way worse. Uh, I don't know what to make of South Carolina going forward because every now and then those special teams can pop up. But that one did not look well. Did not look good at all. All right, let's uh, let's hit one more break, and we got several more. Ole Miss, A&M, North Carolina, Pitt, Michigan, Michigan State, etc. on the back end. Let's check out some things you should know about. Follow the show on Twitter at Winning Cures, and you can follow Gary at GaryWCE. You can also follow on Facebook. Got your own podcast or web show? Looking to start one? Or you're just curious how we look and sound so good? Well, we've got all the gear that we use listed on our gear page on the website. If you order using our links, you'll be supporting the show too. Subscribe on YouTube to get not only full Winning Cures Everything shows, but individual segments and other goodies as well. We're over 6,000 subscribers, and our goal by the end of the year is 7,500. If you're interested in advertising on a show that reaches over 80,000 unique football fans per month during the season, send an email to Gary at winningcureseverything.com and we'll put together a plan that best fits you or your business. And now, back to the show. All right. Now, we have to kind of run through this a little more quickly. Um, Let me remind everybody, go on and sign up for the uh, Pick'em Contest. Every week we do a Pick'em Contest. Get signed up over there. I will have the games up later tonight for next week. Get the spreads and all that good stuff as they come out. But, uh, but yes, sign up, winningcureseverything.com. Go to the contest page. The winner each week gets a $25 Amazon gift card. We had a guy go 10-1 and one this week. I don't remember the name. But, uh, but yeah, 10-1. and one. Just bonkers. Bonkers. Super, super good in that contest. All right, moving along. Um... Da, 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 da. Write this down. Ole Miss, 31, Texas A&M, 28. Now, let's pull up the stat sheet for you. This was a tight ball game. A&M won yards per play. Uh, Ole Miss won total yards. 83 plays to 73 plays for Ole Miss. Um, passing down success was Ole Miss, but standard down success was A&M. I mean, they had over a 54% standard down success rate in this game. They had a 46.58% success rate overall in this game. Like, this A&M looked good. I liked what Connor Wigman was doing. Like, this looked like a, a pretty competent football team again. You see the win probability went back and forth in this spot. Like, this was a good, tight ball game, and Ole Miss just found ways to win. Uh, Jackson Dart only had to throw the ball 20 times. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins, 34 carries for 205 yards. He averaged six yards a carry and ran it 34 times. Uh, Double O'Neill jumped in, said, good game, A&M hung in there, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, no, they absolutely hung in there because Connor Wigman, 28 out of 44, 338 yards, four touchdowns. Like, he was good. Like, ridiculously good, especially for a true freshman making his first ever start. A-Chain had a fantastic night, 25 carries for 138 yards. He also had seven catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. Like, this was awesome. You could tell that the... The player that 
the two players that Wigman had the most connection with, the most chemistry with, were uh, Moose Muhammad and Evan Stewart. Like, those two, he was constantly looking for those guys and was able to find them. Like this, Wigman, I think, is going to be good. The issue that you've got here is sack-adjusted rushing yards in this game. Ole Miss had 399 sack-adjusted yards. Like, that's that's awesome. And, a, oh, excuse me, A&M only had 151. Like, when you can dominate on the ground like that, it changes everything. This whole thing was changed up here. So I, I was a little shocked at how easily Ole Miss was able to run on the on the ground. But, man, Lane Kiffin, he's at 390 rushing yards against a bunch of five-stars is pretty good. So he's throwing shade at the recruiting class, of course. And, uh, and then when he was asked who he was going to be for Halloween, he came out and said, maybe Jimbo's got a Joker outfit for me. Like, Lane Kiffin throwing shade, like, you know that he enjoyed the hell out of that one headed into the bye week. He was, it was awesome. Uh, two good teams, Double O'Neill said, two good teams I would not want to play. Don't get all the hate from people. Uh, yeah, it's true. Like, this, I'll tell you this, A&M I don't think is a great team. Uh, I don't think, I don't even think they're really all that good. But I'll tell you this, they are certainly better with Wigman at quarterback than they are with anybody else. Haynes King, Max Johnson, whatever. This this freshman it looked to me to be the real deal. So uh, props to A&M for hanging in there, but maybe more so props to Ole Miss for, uh, for getting that thing done. Is it fun win. Uh, moving quickly now because I need to get this done in the next uh, probably 10 minutes here. <laughs> I always do this to myself. I swear to God. North Carolina and Pitt. 42-24. to 24, North Carolina gets this dub. 75 plays to 60. Uh, Pitt had one turnover, and it was in the fourth quarter, and it, was, it cost them dearly. Um, North Carolina outgained them by over 100 yards. Uh, they had 11 more first downs. This was about what people expected. Now, for the majority of this game, it was not what people expected, right? This was not at all what people were looking at. But uh, let's pull up the stats here, and you will see right up there, the fourth quarter. This game was 24 to 14 pit deep in the third quarter. And North Carolina came out and scored four straight touchdowns. You look at the drive chart right there. They are down 24 to 14 right there. They get the ball back, 12 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Um, the other team, fum- Pitt fumbles. They get the ball back, 10 plays, 84 yards, touchdown. Get the ball back, three plays, 49 yards, touchdown. Three plays, 35 yards, touchdown. And ball game. Like, Pitt was in this and was actually kind of dominating early. And it just went the wrong way very quickly. Drake May, 34 out of 44 passing, 388 yards, five touchdowns. And he ran the ball 14 times for 61 yards. He is an absolute superstar. Zone 6 jumped in. Drake May is the best quarterback in the nation, in my opinion. I don't know that I go that far, but I will tell you this. he There ain't a whole lot that are better than him. I, I think he could win on any team. Uh, I don't think that North Carolina would be near, near what they are without him playing for him. 
If you swap that, if you put in Criswell form, which is crazy because am I am I losing my mind or did we have a quarterback competition between these two? Like in the fall. They were talking about who was actually going to start. And Drake May has completely taken this thing over. Props to North Carolina. They get a massive lead in the ACC Coastal in this spot. They are undefeated. Everybody else has at least two losses, if not more. And they've already played everybody else that would be considered a contender in that spot. They already beat Miami. They already beat Pitt. Like, there's nobody else left that is really going to win any kind of tiebreaker over them. So it looks like they will be playing Clemson in the ACC title game. Now, November starts on Tuesday. So we probably need to pump the brakes just a bit on this team. But the defense appears to be getting a little bit better. Maybe that's due to competition. I'm not sure, but who knows? Uh, 82 Atlantic, Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison made Narduzzi look like a better coach than he actually is. Yeah, no, no, no. I I, I tend to agree with that. Um, I think Narduzzi, like Nardog's thing was always defense, right? And that offense last year got away from the defense. So he's trying to build that defense back up. I don't know what they're going to be able to do, though. Uh, Double O'Neill, all great players make coaches look better. It goes with that saying. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Uh, Narduzzi has always been a defensive guy, though. So I don't know that people really associated Kenny Pickett with Pat Narduzzi. That was much more like a Mark Whipple thing, in my opinion. But regardless, North Carolina, doing it up, doing the most. Props to Mac Brown, doing his thing. That was, that was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Uh, last game that I'm going to hit on, and... And then, of course, I will have a show on Monday. We're kind of changing up the schedule a little bit. Uh, going to try and go live on Tuesday night after the uh, the reveal of the CFP rankings and whatnot. But we'll have a show on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday going forward, along with the Sunday recap show. So, just so you guys know what's up. Uh, Double O'Neill, Tar Heels versus Clemson ACC title game. Yeah, yeah, that's what's happening. It's going down. All right, moving along. Last one that we're going to hit, and this was a beating, even though the score maybe didn't indicate it. Michigan, 29, Michigan State, 7. Well, um, you you look at what happened. Both teams had a turnover, um, but Michigan just annihilated this team, really. It had almost 200 more total yards. It had 25 first downs to 11 had over one yard per play more. Um, yards per pass was Michigan State, but of course they had to pass because they, they got down. The PPA per play, the success rate, the standard down success, pass down success, tackles for everything was in Michigan's favor in the spot. It was uh, it was a beat, to say the least. Uh, you look at the win expectancy, et cetera. Like, obviously, they were favored by 23, so of course... But you look at this, and J.J. McCarthy, 15 out of 25 passing. He had one touchdown. Blake Corum ran the ball 33 times for 177 yards. He did say in his postgame press conference, uh, Blake Corum said, I thought Tuck was coming. Like, what happened? I heard all offseason Tuck was coming, and nothing happens. Uh, zone 6, Michigan issues in the red zone. Uh, when the run gets stuff, they can't get touchdowns. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You look at the drive chart, it'll tell you. Um, field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, touchdown. I mean, it... <laughs> <laughs> it was irritating. Um, but, yeah, because uh, Parker had Michigan by 24. And, yeah, the line was, I think, 22 and a half. 
So they win by 22, of course. Parker loses that bet. It sucks. That's why I hate betting these uh, these big spreads. But regardless, Michigan, obviously the better team. The, uh, the story coming out of this, really, the uh, fight between about a dozen Michigan State players and like one, maybe two Michigan players heading into the locker room, like in that tunnel, it, they are going to have to do something about these teams leaving the field and, and the way that they leave the field because it is a debacle every time out. Like, it's just awful. So, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, the athletic director said that police are investigating what Harbaugh called an assault on two of his players. It did look pretty rough. It, it was it was not a good look for anybody. Um, I know Michigan was excited to get that win. They probably talked quite a bit. But, man, it's a double and nil. I missed the fight. Uh, you can find You know what? I retweeted it. It's on my Twitter account, at GaryWCE. I don't know that I can play it on YouTube. Um because it might get pulled, but regardless, go take a look at it. It's it looked pretty rough. Um, Michigan State, like it, this, is not a bad football team. They're just not like they're not a good football team. They're just kind of an eh football team. Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. Double O'Neill. What about the Tennessee player that assaulted two fans? Uh, I'd say I don't know anything about that. Like it, this is. This Michigan State-Michigan was a fight between players, and that's a that's a whole different deal. Um, this this is weird. Like, they're going to have to do something about this because this is too straight. It, like, I know James Franklin has got to be going, you know what, I was right. I told y'all that they need to fix this. It's a disaster. And Harbaugh, of course, just waved it off and like, well, if he had gone in and just not stopped. Um, yeah, Zone 6 said, do you mean the Bama player? Uh, nothing. Yeah, no, I, I'm not touching that one. Like, it, no, it's not a good look for Bama. It's not a good look for uh, Burton. Like, I don't know. I, I'm also old school and, like, it, you got to find a better way to get players off the field than to have them interacting with fans that are just rushing in at the last minute. I don't know what you can do. Uh, I'm not excusing his, uh, his behavior, Burton's behavior. But at the same, I don't, I don't know what you do in that spot. Like, obviously, yeah, he, he should probably be suspended. But I don't know. And so I'm I'm staying out of it. Like I no real opinion, one way or the other. It's a bad look for everybody involved. It's just stupid. This situation, this has to do with how you get to the locker room and the fact that both teams have to go through the same tunnel. That's a disaster. Like because you're going to have stuff like this happen, especially when there is such a heated rivalry, a heated matchup like this. You had the same thing happen with Penn State heading into the half. Like, now you got the same thing at the end of the Michigan-Michigan State game. You need to find a way to separate the players. Emotions are super high everywhere in this country right now. And, of course, they're going to be high with these teenagers and early 20s uh, football players coming off of a massive, massive game, right? Like, it's just nuts. It's a bad situation overall. Yeah, double O'Neill. Yeah, it's a bad situation. Just ridiculous. So, huh. Okay, is there anything else that we want to hit? Before I have to run and get the boy. Uh, Hawaii covered last night for me. That was fun. UCLA looked awesome. Uh, I am concerned about Dorian Thompson-Robinson for UCLA. That's not good. Um, yeah, zone 6, Michigan running the trick play at the end of the game, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Double and Neil said, yeah, you still got to control yourself. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Fresno came back and beat San Diego State late, late, late last night. Scored 15 points in the fourth quarter um, to win 32-28 to in that spot. 
Uh, what else have we not talked about today? Oregon got the uh, the win and the cover over Cal. Uh, Cal is just not a good football team this year. And Oregon, man, how strange is it? You know, we'll talk maybe Monday on. Okay, that's double nil wants to know. Uh, <laughs> uh, 82 Atlantic first. Will Hinton Hooker, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Caleb Williams be the Heisman finalists? Uh, yeah, probably. Probably. There are some other guys that could make it. Those appear to be the ones that have the best opportunity because they are the biggest names in the sport right now on the biggest teams. Bryce Young, if they do not beat LSU in Death Valley, uh, he will not be there. So, uh, I will I will certainly say that. Uh, Caleb Williams, and if he doesn't win the Pac-12, maybe not. Um, look out for Bo Nix. Just saying. Just saying. Toss it out there. Double O'Neill wants to know who's in. Okay. Who's going to be the top four this week? I'll give you that. Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, Georgia. Not in that order, necessarily. I think number one is probably going to be Georgia. Uh, number two will probably... You know what? It might be Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, then Michigan. That might be the order. But I don't know what they're going to look at as far as the... Uh, quality wins, et cetera, like which ones are worth more, et cetera. Um, I think that they're going to look at Alabama as a more quality win, but we shall see. Georgia, of course, has the win over Oregon, who looks awesome right now, but yeah, who knows? Uh, as far as who's going to make it at the end of the year, yeah, tell me who's going to win in Athens next week. <laughs> I've got no idea at this point. Like All of my predictions are just completely blah. Uh, zone six that I bet committee puts Tennessee one. You know what? They might because they've like with Kentucky last night. That's five wins over teams that were ranked at the time. They might look at that as a huge thing. Like LSU, they dominated LSU. Uh, they dominated Kentucky, and they beat Alabama, who of course is the darling. Yeah, I could I could probably see that. I could probably see that happening. Uh, moving along. Oh, Illinois. Um, that was a, a big win for Illinois. It moves them to 7-1 and one on the year. Brett Bielema is doing fantastic things there. <laughs> Just fantastic stuff. Uh, Illinois looks really, really good. I thought Nebraska might be able to hang in that game. They, they could not. They could not. Arkansas, 41-27 to 27 over Auburn. Uh, the most fun part about this was Spencer Hall tweeting about the BS high school offense that, uh, that Harson runs. And... It made me giggle because it's almost like Gus Malzahn never left. Because uh, <laughs> Gus Malzahn ran a high school offense there. It was just goofy. Um, there was uh, Justin Ferguson, I believe, who is a beat writer for Auburn. Um, he asked the question, like, how do you get this team back on track? And apparently Harson smiled at him and said that, yeah, uh, you know, explain back on, like, what do you mean back on track? Like, how does that work? And I get it. Like, because this team hasn't been on track from the word go. So, 82 Atlantic. Fickle should bounce for a P5 job when he has the chance since he will get eaten alive in the Big 12. And no guarantee Ryan Day uh, no guarantee Ryan Day leaves OSU anytime soon. I don't necessarily know that. Look, at Cincinnati, that is a... That's an athletic department and a school that are willing to invest in the football program. Fickle knows that Ohio area. Like, that's the only place he's ever really known is Ohio. He's got a ton of kids. His family is massive. They're comfortable there. 
He's making a ton of money. I If he wants to be able to compete at like the highest levels, yeah, you could probably move on from Cincinnati. But if it's not that important to you, why bother? He, he's got a lot of friends that have moved up to bigger jobs that didn't make it, and then you got to go right back through that circle again. You got to go back through all the mess of, I'm going to go be a defensive coordinator here, or I'll go be an analyst for a year and then move up to a DC and then move over to a. Why? Like, you got a really good job in a place that you love. You know, we, we like to sit here and, and Sunday morning quarterback this stuff, but at the end of the day, it, he's making what? Almost $4 million a year to be the head coach at Cincinnati, which is a place that he absolutely loves. And he is kind of built from the ground up because he kind of had to tear it down after Tupperville left. I don't see any reason why he would need to leave. Like, he's now in one of those bigger conferences. Uh, they were making $7 million, uh, $7 million a year in their media rights deal. And the new Big 12 deal was just announced. They're going to be getting 31.67 or whatever it is per year from the new TV deal. And toss on top of that, all of the extra stuff uh, that you'll be getting from the NCAA basketball tournament and the college football playoff and all that, all those deals are going to be done. Um, they might be making, you know, $45, $50 million a year when all is said and done. So at the end of the day, like Cincinnati's in a good spot. Um, Double O'Neill said, as, as it stands, Cincinnati is as good as anyone in the Big 12. They'll be just fine. Yeah. I think, I think they're, I don't know that they're as good as anyone in the Big 12. Um, but on a year in, year out basis, yeah. Cincinnati can certainly compete. Uh, they'll be able to recruit. They'll be able to do big things there. Yeah, that's the way that I look at it. Uh, Oklahoma, speaking of Big 12, 27-13 over, over Iowa State. Yeah, uh, about what we expected. This team is pretty good when Dylan Gabriel is the quarterback. They can find ways to score. Uh, Boston College lost to UConn. That was interesting, to say the least. I, I bet on UConn. I didn't know that they were going to win the game. Uh, but it was low scoring like I thought it would be. Florida State, 41-16 to over Georgia Tech. Uh, Houston gets another win over South Florida, who is just awful. I wonder if Jeff Scott is actually going to stay there, uh, if they're going to keep him as head coach, uh, now that Bohannon has been, you know, uh, knocked out for the rest of the season. Toledo gets a big win in the MAC. Uh, they're now 6-3. and three. You know, they got a 27-24 win over Eastern Michigan. Miami, a big win in four overtimes, or whatever it was, against uh, Virginia, 14-12. to So, interesting. Charlotte over Rice, 56-23. to 23. That was nuts because, I mean, Healy just got fired last week. <laughs> and this team comes out and looks amazing. Um, other than that, you know, there's some other fun stuff. You know, SMU got a win. App State, North Texas, of course, showing their dominance in the Conference USA. Just uh, ridiculous. And South Alabama, 31-3 over Arkansas State. Boise, yeah, as uh, I believe Double O'Neill, somebody jumped in here and was talking about Boise. Uh, yeah, Boise is now 6-2. Uh, they fired their offensive coordinator. Hank Bachmeyer decided to leave, and this team is better with Taylor Green at quarterback. Bottom line. Uh, your last crap jumps in. USC defense sucks or <laughs> Arizona offense is legit. Uh, how about a combination? Because the Arizona offense is actually legit, and the USC defense still sucks. It's both. Like, it's absolutely both. USC has trouble stopping uh, air, really. Just the way it is. Coastal, 24-13 over Marshall. Um, UAB lost again at Florida Atlantic. UAB is now 4-4 four four on the year. I don't think Brian Vincent is going to keep that job. 
Uh, Baylor 45 to 17 over Texas Tech. That was uh, really disappointing for Texas Tech fans. So it is what it is. Uh, double and deal. Taylor Green for Heisman next year. <laughs> as long as Dirk Cutter is still the offensive coordinator, I mean, I can't disagree with it. Uh, Andy Avalos' defense is legit enough to be able to get wins. And yeah, Boise is fantastic. All right, everybody, I have got to split to go get the boy. So we regretfully have to come to an end. Check out the Valtimary Surf Company at valtimarysurfco.com. Use the promo code Gary10 to get 10% off of your order. Uh, we may be bringing on a new advertiser this week uh, for the November season, so I am excited about that. Um, yeah, Zone 6 said that Fresno touchdown sequence was crazy. Yeah, I brought that up at the beginning of the show. San Diego State just, uh, whew. <laughs> it was nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, Zone 6, have a great Sunday. Yeah, you guys have a great Sunday, too. So, Valtimary Surf Co., go check them out. Gary 10 for 10% off. Of course, BetUS. Make sure that you're signed up for BetUS.com, along with subscribe to the BetUS College Football Show. I host that every Tuesday and Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Subscribe right here if you've not already done that on Winning Cures Everything. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Of course, four shows this coming week. We're getting into November uh, I'm going to be showing up a lot on this feed, so make sure that you are subscribed and share the show out. Tell a friend about it. You know, I, I'm planning on uh, on having a good time. So with that said, <sighs> you guys take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully, hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show.